our mission is to keep the tradition alive. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. Who else is going to do it? Hello, and welcome to episode 221 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we talk about the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm the co-host stepping in, Brooks Fallon. And on this week of the podcast, we're going to be talking about It Comes at Night, the latest indie horror movie from this past summer that Joel drafted in the box office draft that did him no favors. And we're also (laughs) going to talk about season seven of Game of Thrones, but we'll save that for the end of the podcast to avoid people that uh, either don't watch the show or don't want to be spoiled. There'll be full spoilers in that review. At the end, I will try to put some timestamps in case you want to skip to it or avoid it, etc. etc. Brooks, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining me from the uh, MMA podcast world. Yeah, no problem. I, I love doing these. It's, uh, it's good to mix things up. Keep the creative juices flowing. Yeah, and a, a good one to come in on because you are a horror movie guy, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, for sure. It's definitely like my go-to genre. Yes, and uh, it seems like horror is hot right now. You got It out in theaters. Mother is coming out this weekend. Plenty uh, Jigsaw is coming out in a few weeks. So it's all horror yeah. right now. It's funny. Like I saw, like I was looking online. It's like people try to piggyback on like a big release like it. There's like three clown horror movies that just came out. One of them's called like Clowntergeist. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't imagine how many clown movies are going to be coming out in the next few years. But uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But let's talk about it. Comes at night. Um, this is the. It's uh, like a post-apocalyptic zombie movie, except. Um, you know, that's kind of just insinuated. It's not exactly... Yeah, know. they don't give you much context to what's really going on. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but if you just assume, or at least I did when I'm watching I just assume that's the kind of situation they're in, but it seems that way because... It, all right, well, it's a, and it's about this family who, in the very beginning of the movie, uh, the grandfather has got whatever this uh, virus going around is, and it's um, Joel Edgerton, who plays Paul, Carmen Ajogo, who plays Sarah, and their son, Travis, played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. They are debating, or not debating, they're just going through the the tough decision to have to kill the grandfather and burn him alive, or burn him dead. <laughs> Which, <that's, laughs> yeah, it starts off quick. Yeah, great opening scene. Uh yeah, so that's where you get the idea, okay, so this seems like they need to burn him so that when he dies, he doesn't come back, or at least that's what I figured, just because zombies are all the rage right now. And then the, the story really kicks in when character Will shows up, played by Christopher Abbott, and he he tries to break into the family's home because he says he didn't know anyone was here, he thought it was vacant, and basically it's just... You know, despite everything going on in the world, it seems like the biggest issue at hand is, given everything that's going on, how can you trust your fellow man in a everyone-for-themselves type situation? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, 
I mean, it doesn't give anything away to say there's no real context given, but they really, they kind of like let you imagine what, what's going on with how the events start taking place in, in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I like that about it. But uh, it's directed by Trey Edward Schultz, who uh, I've only, I think, I don't know if it's his first movie, but it's definitely the first movie of his that I saw was this movie, Cretia, which came out last year. And I love that movie. It was uh, an indie movie about a ma- an alcoholic woman who goes to a family reunion, and it basically plays out like a horror movie from there. It's it's like a family drama that plays out like a horror movie, and it's just expertly crafted, really, really well done. And uh, so I was kind of looking forward to this when I heard about it. Heard good reviews out of, I think it was Sundance it played at, and trailers look cool you know i think they're a little bit of uh false advertising but yeah i mean I, especially for this kind of movie it's 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 very character driven kind of movie there's not like there's big selling points that you could put together in a trailer and it lives up to that you know what i mean yeah absolutely but uh before we get into what we thought about the movie overall were you looking forward to seeing it um you know what were you what were your expectations coming in? And then after that, what did you actually think? Yeah, I mean, I had seen a trailer for it, and it definitely piqued my interest. But after the, what you told me about it, after you had seen it, where you really liked it and liked how it played out, but there was, like, people in the theaters, you said, that were really upset about uh, it, right? Yes, yes. So, I mean, you're like the movie uh, guru, so I was definitely <laughs> trusting your word and Uh-oh. looking forward to seeing it. Um it took a while for me to see it because uh, it didn't come up on my feed of movies that I watch. Wink, wink. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing it. I didn't – what is the, that main character? Is that Joel Edgerton? Yeah. I, I, he, I, I think he's a great actor. Just because he shares the name of your brother, that's kind of crazy. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he is a good actor. Biased opinion. He's a very good actor. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect from it. And uh, I definitely did not think it was going to be the kind of movie that it turned out to be, but it, it didn't disappoint me at all. I thought it was great. I'm glad it's, to hear that. I mean, it's like a very isolated kind of story. It takes place in a small area with a few characters, like dealing with – it's almost like uh, – what was that uh, Cloverfield, the second Cloverfield movie? Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah, it was, was kind of yeah. like that kind of style, you know what I mean? That's a good call. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but it's kind of similar where these characters are kind of basically stuck in one location and, you know, sometimes it's going good, but there's always that undercurrent in the back of your mind, like something could go wrong at any point. Yeah, and you don't really have any real context. You kind of have yeah. to like imagine what's happening. You don't yourself. know the real motivations of yeah. anybody, really. So, yeah, that's a good call. I'm glad yeah. you liked it. Uh, yeah, I was telling you how it's pretty interesting how the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm loving it. Spoiler alert, I loved it. Um, <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm like, the movie ends and I'm like, oh my God, that was so good. And then the second it ends, it's like, all I hear is, what the fuck is that? <laughs> the hell? Why did we waste uh, our money on this? Man, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like <laughs> walking out, that's all I hear. I'm like, okay, interesting. And then we get it. Me and my wife. It was our date night. Sam. We get in a car, come home. We had such a nice evening, dinner, and a movie. 
so I asked her about the movie, <laughs> and she's like, I don't know, that was a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it, like, it was, like, one of the biggest arguments we've ever had about a movie, because I tried to defend it, and she took it personally, and then I took it personally, it was like, man, this is a very divisive movie here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm glad you liked it, and I know your brother Dave said he loved it, so... Yeah, Fallon's got good taste. What can we say? <laughs> I can see how people were like misled about. Yeah, what it was like, but... yeah, I could see that. I could see how you watch the trailer. I mean, it's a pretty good trailer. It makes it seem like this is a zombie movie. That the shit's gonna hit the fan, and yeah. it's gonna be like intense at least towards the end. And it's just not that kind of movie. It's more yeah. of a contemplative like. There's no monsters all over the place. Yeah, it's more just subtle, like uh, leave it to your imagination, scares yeah. and. It's just, I love the characters. I love the acting. I love just the atmosphere that the movie gave. Like, I really felt like the world building, even though you only see a few locations, it really felt like a world that was taken out by something crazy. Yeah, I mean, you could, you like, feel, like, the, the stress and distrust, like, building amongst all the characters. Yeah, and I just got super invested very quickly, especially because that opening scene is really, really good. Yeah, like, and it then puts, it rolls right into the other guy coming yeah, in. Yeah, it puts the stakes right on the table, and this is what you're dealing with, and it sets everything up. Because this movie's like barely an hour and a half, but it's so tight, I feel like. I feel, even though it's, I mean, it's kind of methodical and slower pace, but I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like it's almost, like he trimmed any fat that he could, I feel like. I yeah. feel like, you know, you know... The red door, it's put her out there right away, and that becomes like a big part of the whole movie and the climax. And yeah, like you said, especially when Will comes and gets involved, that's when I felt like I just loved the, the interactions between Paul and Will and just that whole cat and mouse game. Yeah, yeah, like the whole movie, like we've been saying, like there's no real context given, but even like, um, like when they have to leave and go on that uh, little journey. They don't like take you on that and waste a bunch of time with that. They just cut right to the chase. Yeah. This is a, essentially a post apocalyptic zombie movie and people might've been expecting more traditional, but I'm glad it was something different because we get so many of these shows and movies now that it would just be boring if it played out the same way that all of them do. Yeah. I mean, the resident evil and, I Am Legend. Walking Dead. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of played out at this point. I mean, even I watched a movie I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, Train to Busan, which is a Korean zombie movie from last year, and and that kind of just plays out generically. But yeah, I just loved the character interactions, and I don't know, I, I honestly felt like, because I binge-watched The Walking Dead last year, and or maybe it was earlier this year. God, I can't even remember. But... I feel like this movie was exactly what that show was going for. Like, this is the best version of The Walking Dead you could possibly get, even without any zombies whatsoever. Yeah, I've, like, literally never seen an episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, don't waste your time. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It has, in the beginning, it has its, you know, its moments, but... See, so you've told me that before, but you binge-watched it, so it can't be that bad. Well... <laughs> I, it was more like Sam binge-watched it, and yeah. I was invested until season five, and then I kind of, I was just in the room at that point, so, <laughs> you know, it Basically wasn't... forced. Yeah. 
it was happening one way or the other. Might as well watch it. I didn't see every episode, but I saw enough to know that the quality had dipped. Um, so do we rate this movie? We will. We will. Um, what did you think? I thought the the one of the few action scenes when they're going on a taking the truck to go back to where Will uh, left his wife and son. Yeah. And there's like the an action scene in the woods halfway through. It just and it, I felt like that was really well done too. I felt like the 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 bullets like the gunfire. It felt yeah. heavy. Like I like the sound design. It like really it felt like there was, you know, in repercussions to shooting a gun. You know, it doesn't feel like this action movie where it's like, you know, I don't know. It just kind of felt heavy with the shots. And I thought that yeah, action like, scene was great. It was, it's crazy because they, like, they get in that fight and I mean, they eventually come out on top, but I mean, immediately you don't know if Will was a part of it and all that. But like you said, there's reper- there could be repercussions to uh, like shooting a gun. You don't know if whatever is out there is, could be attracted to that now. You know what I mean? Right, right. And also, tell me, this is definitely weird to me, but tell me if there's uh, you felt anything similar. Like, I was so invested in these characters that I'm like, I'm like the dread in the back of my head. I just know it's going to fall apart and they're going to start to distrust each other and go against each other. The whole time I'm thinking, I, I would love if this this movie was just about these people like becoming friends and surviving. This yeah. Because I don't know. I just loved them just working together. I'm like, oh, no, please don't let it uh, all hell break loose. Like, I don't know. I was just so invested in the characters, which is rare for me. Yeah. Well, I think it was like more of a sense of realism because you really get that feeling that uh, – um, Paul is like really trying to take care of his family and they just take in complete strangers and that distrust and that constant worrying about yeah. if you can trust them is always there because I mean your, your whole family's life's are at stake and mm-hmm. your whole house and all your supplies. So um, I, I think that was more of a sense of realism when with that, uh, like with it in the air, the whole movie, it was always, it was always there. Anything could have happened. I felt like, yeah, Definitely, and I I really love that first scene at the at the table when they bring them in, and it's like <laughs> the tension is so high when uh, they're just going over like the rules, and you know you'll start off in your room, and then we'll build trust. Just felt yeah. like this film mo- movie might have been inspired by uh, The Last of Us. I feel like um, a video game that I just finished this past weekend, so it's on my mind. But even Paul's character with the beard, like kind of did you ever play the game uh, I, play, I played it like once or twice that's like multiplayer too right i don't know if it is it's a it's the um, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie movie uh, game are you like with the crew of people no you're with the girl you're just protecting the, the girl that looks like ellen page uh, yeah i don't think i played that yeah it's a great great game one of the best games ever made but felt i got some yes exclusive yes Okay, that's why. <laughs> I feel like uh, there might have been some inspiration here. Um, Let me ask you about this. Uh, like when the sun he starts, like I guess envisioning mm. the wife coming in and like seducing him. Yeah, he kind of has these weird dreams, right? Yeah, throughout that, the movie, like, I was taken aback by that. And at certain points, you don't know whether he's dreaming or if it's really happening. 
Yeah, it was super weird. Yeah, that was weird. I guess, well, you got to think about it. You wonder when this outbreak started, and he's clearly, what, just like a younger kid, maybe 16, 17, like probably going through, went through puberty. Who knows when the last time he was around a woman that was not a family member. Like, I don't know. I feel like that felt somewhat realistic. Yeah, it was, it, was just, it was just weird. I didn't think it, like, really drove the plot anywhere. It was just yeah. like... Definitely one of the weaker aspects of the movie, but I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just strange to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. I like the, the father-son relationship between Paul and Travis. Yeah. I felt like you could really feel the, you know, the, the battle there where he wants to be good, you know, with his son, but at the same time he's got to kind of be hard on him as he's kind of growing into adulthood and past yeah, I mean, the baton. The movie and... starts off brutal between yeah. those two. I mean, they both go out and... I mean, it would be a spoiler to say what happens. Nah, go ahead. Let's just... Uh, real quick, all right. If you want to skip ahead five, ten minutes, we're going to talk spoilers for, for, for a little bit. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, it starts off brutal. I mean... Uh, Paul and Travis go out and basically shoot their grandfather in the head, put him in a shallow grave and burn him. Yeah. That's like how things start off. And then they go back in and uh, his mom's like crying how she should have been there and he shouldn't have. So yeah, like that father-son relationship is definitely, it's it's like almost a key point. It's not too key. But uh, I thought it was... That just the way it started, I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't. It really sets the tone. Yeah, absolutely. And then the fact that all right, let's talk about the ending because the ending's pretty crazy. I feel like. Yeah. Um. So Travis, he's got these visions, and the thing that, well, it turns out he eventually gets the sickness. He gets the virus, and it's a question of who opened the door because in the middle of the night he finds. The um, Andrew, the the son, right? He's just sleeping in the hallway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then a dog kind of finds his way in. The door's ajar, and it's like, who opened the door? Was it Andrew? Was it Travis? Uh, and it just turns the whole situation into a, a clusterfuck where basically they all die, it seems like, right? Because um, Will... Paul kills that whole family, basically. Yeah, they basically, I think Kim and Will get in like an argument that they need to leave, and uh, Paul like goes up to them and Will takes some captives. Will like captures them or something, right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, there's this whole like they each have a gun to someone's head. Yeah, and then. Oh man, it's the brutal. It's like brain twisting. The most brutal scene is when uh, Kim is running away with Andrew in her arms, and it's like the whole time, like he's hidden, so you can't tell if he has it or if they're just trying to protect him. And as she's running, he shoots, shoots at her, and kills the son. And she is just screaming, "Bloody murder! You killed my son! Just kill me! Just kill me!" And then he kills her. Oh my god. Like, that is, like, heart-wrenching stuff. It was, yeah, it's intense. And then they go back, and Travis has it, and they kind of, what, lock him in that room, 
And the, the ending is just them sitting at a table across from each other, like, in my opinion, they're just like, well, <laughs> we're fucked, this is it, <laughs> we're gonna die now from this virus. Yeah. Basically, you know, <laughs> pretty brutal, uh, dark ending there. Yeah, it's like as, it's as crazy as it could be with as much context as they set the story up with. I mean, I certainly did not expect it to end the way it did. I, yeah. I knew there would be like a rift that happened between the families and something was probably going to go down, but I did not think it would go down the way it did. It was yeah. intense. It was. But I can see where people that maybe didn't get invested in the, in the characters the way that I did or we did early on. Yeah. And maybe, you know, they're expecting maybe the families to fight together against zombies or whatever. I can kind of see why it wouldn't be a satisfying conclusion if you didn't, you know, latch on to it right away. But since I did, I thought it was incredibly intense. Uh, what's your theory on, like, I heard a theory that Travis actually had the virus the whole time. Like, since the beginning of the movie when they killed the grandfather because that's what those visions are like symptoms of the virus working through his body or something like that i mean i guess that could be a possibility but just from like what's given in the movie like i mean the grandfather was like i mean it's a zombie i guess he was like no he was not a person anymore he was like in la la land so i don't know if he could have had it the whole time and still been yeah but we don't like, know functioning we don't know the uh, what's it called uh, the period when you have the virus, but you're not yeah, showing like symptoms. The incubation yeah, the incubation period. We don't know how long it takes, or do you? Yeah, think... that's that's what I mean by like what's given from what you see, like from what I and from what's like given in the story. I don't. I, I find that a little bit hard to believe. Yeah, I kind of do too. I just think it's kind of a cool theory. Yeah, I mean, having said that, where do you think Travis gets the virus? I gotta think. That Andrew got it, he must have sleepwalked, opened the door, let the dog in, or whatever. Probably got it from, like, the Probably dog, got right? it from the dog, and then was in the hallway, and when he let him into the room, maybe that's when Travis got transferred it. Yeah. I mean, I guess. But I'm assuming Andrew had it because they didn't show his face, so... I mean, it's certainly possible that he didn't, and they were just, like, freaked out, but... Yeah, that's... See, I like these movies that leave you to, like, draw your own yeah, conclusions. Yeah, me too, me too. Sometimes it's, like, frustrating when you really want the answer. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, yeah, um, I don't really have any much else. I like the the score. The score in the movie I thought was really effective. The music. Yeah, and, the, like, the pace of it, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I completely agree. One of my favorite movies of the year. Actually, it's number three on my on my top movies of 2017 right now. Wow, it's pretty high. Yep, I'll give it a heavy eight and a half out of ten. Shoot, that's that's a high rating there. Yeah, I love. I'm gonna, I'll give it like a seven, seven and a half. All right, that's fair. I mean, I liked it. I liked everything about it. I would have liked a little bit more context, maybe like just some like radio transmissions about how widespread this whole thing was, or anything like that. But I, I think it's definitely worth the watch, and I can't really say a bad thing about it other than. I kind of want some more answers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I agree. Like, I could see, I don't know if it did well enough to, you know, uh, be worth doing sequels, or I could at least see other stories in this world. You know, like, I thought they did such an effective job with the world building that 
I'd like to see more, learn more somehow. Yeah. Maybe like a graphic novel spinoff, something. I don't know. I'd be interested. Yeah, but I think it's definitely worth the watch. I don't think anybody would be disappointed as long as you go in <laughs> knowing what it would be. Yeah, you got to set the right expectations. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, since we're pushing the top five and Game of Thrones to the end of the show, let's talk about what else we watched. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been, you like share your Netflix account with me, so I've been <laughs> definitely taking advantage of that. The, uh, the new season of Narcos just came out. I'm two episodes into that. Um, I, I was a huge, huge fan of the first two seasons of Narcos. Did you see that? I saw the first season. We reviewed it. Me and Joel reviewed it on the podcast. I liked it a lot. And then for whatever reason, I never went back for season two. So. Oh, you got to see it. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. Okay. The third season, I'm, i I, I got to give it a chance because I'm a little disappointed so far. But It's like a whole new story, right, without giving anything away? Yeah, it's just the people who took over power after Pablo died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in the history books. It's not like people don't know. True, true. There's characters. The, the one detective's not in it anymore, the blonde-haired guy. I do love the the other one, though. The other guy uh, that played the Red Viper. The Viper. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's he's a shit. good actor. But, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very well-produced show, and I just I was kind of, like, attached to the characters. I, was, I loved the guy that played Pablo Escobar. I thought he did an incredible job. Yeah, he was really I, good. I always have, like, a... Uh, tough time watching stuff that's in a foreign language. I t- it, I didn't even think about that watching the first two seasons, and that's still in this season. It, that's not an issue for me. But I was just uh, so attached to those characters the first two seasons that it's so different now. It's kind of like right. You got to just kind of like, readjust. Yeah. But that is a great sign. Like by now, I've seen so many foreign movies and stuff that it doesn't bother me at all. But it's especially a good sign for a show or a movie when you almost forget that you're even reading subtitles. It's like, just becomes part of it. Yeah, like, when uh, when I watched the Jose Aldo movie, I, like, I preferred to watch it in the in the Portuguese rather than have, like, the English dubbed over. Yeah, for sure. It just takes something out of it for me. Yeah, something lost in translation there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Narcos <clears throat> is great. I would advise anybody to watch it. Um, also watched a crazy documentary, which... Some people be interested in. Some people might off put them called uh, "Going Clear," uh, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, or something like that. Yeah, this was on HBO. Premiered on HBO a couple of years ago. I watched it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great documentary. It is very it's well good. done. Yeah, really good. But uh, I mean, it it really opens your eyes to how bizarre that whole thing is. Um, if anybody's like interested in that, I would definitely recommend seeing it. There's a few, uh, there's an uh, God, what is that British student's name uh, does all this BBC documentaries um, Louis yeah. Louis Thoreau Thoreau my yeah my Scientology movie yeah that's that's pretty good too it's I have that's on my queue I haven't watched that one yet it's pretty good it's <laughs> like he intended to make like a documentary how he always does but it got so bizarre with like Scientology people following him that it just turned into like this crazy. It's it's not like a documentary how you would think it is. It's it's a little wild, but it's still good. And it's anything I think that deals with Scientology is just it gets bizarre because Scientology is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. But, uh, 
But it's kind of interesting to see how someone can get sucked into that, you know, and how that all yeah. comes about. And it's great, like Leanne Remney. Her, I mean, it's anybody that was like in Scientology that's out now, and you hear them talk, and they, they like it's it's almost like a herd mentality where like they completely believe that they're like saving the world, and it's they're not off put by all the weirdness. They don't even see it as weird. You know what I mean? So it's cool to like see it from their perspective, people that were in it for years and yeah. try to make sense of it. Um, another incredibly well, it's a TV series. CNN makes it. I mean, it's incredibly well done. It's by the decades. There's the sixties, the seventies and the eighties. Now I think the nineties has come out. Have you ever seen any of those? What is it? It's a series that CNN makes. It's, they What's do it, it by the decade, like I said. It's well, usually it I think, like, Well, it's the 60s, the 70s, oh, the 80s. Okay. But it's usually like 10 episodes, and they're like an hour long, I think. And each episode deals with like a topic, like the TV of that era, the music, the political culture, all that kind of stuff. It's incredibly well done. I think Tom Hanks is the executive producer. Okay, the, cool. They use like all the CNN footage from over the years. It's, it's like if you're in like history and stuff like that, you I would definitely recommend watching it. They're all on Netflix. Besides the '90s, I think that just came out, but the right. '60s, '70s, and '80s are all on Netflix. So I would uh, I would absolutely recommend seeing that. All right, cool. And uh, there's a couple movies I know we both watched. Um, What's that? Death Note. Oh yeah, we talked about Death Note. What are your thoughts on Death Note? <laughs> um, you're going to be the positive one here. I'll let you you kick it off. Death Note is the Netflix original movie directed by um shit the guy that made uh, the guest and um, you're next. It's a director that I like. I've liked his past movies, but yeah, this is a. Uh, it was like an anime before. Yeah, it's like an anime. I think it was a manga. It's um, an adaptation of what this kid finds a notebook that has magical powers. He can write anyone's name down and they will die. Yeah. The director's yeah. Adam Wingard. I saw, I saw the preview, I think at E3 or something, and that got me excited about it. I watched it. I loved it. I thought the story was great. I thought... Uh, God, what is the name of the guy that does the voice? Uh, William Defoe. William Defoe, yeah. I thought the way he did that that character was awesome. I, I mean, I, I really didn't not like anything about it. I thought the way that the story twist out, I didn't expect it to end that way. Um, now, I don't, I've never seen the anime, so I don't know how true it stayed to it. I don't know, like like the true fans of the anime, if they like the movie, but I, there wasn't anything about it that I didn't like. All right, <clears throat> very cool concept. Like I said, I like the director, so there was some interesting stuff there. I do think Willem Dafoe as shit. I already forgot all the names, but uh, of as the bad guy, Kira. Yeah, uh, he's got four letters, you know. Here, I believe. Yeah, no one's ever made it past two or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought he was good in that role. I actually thought the effects were pretty decent uh, on that character, especially because they kind of kept him in the background a lot. Um, but I thought it was one of the coolest monsters I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty cool. 
I liked um, the guy from Get Out that played the like the detective. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's things I liked about it, but man, I just thought this was pretty bad. Um, I thought it felt so rushed. Like, it just felt like they were plowing through plot, 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 with no breathing room to really develop these characters or, you know, give it time to show what the note can do. Like, I feel it just felt so rushed and incoherent. Like, I could, like, the opposite of It Comes at Night. I just was not invested in anything because it rushed past the opening act so fast. And from what I understand is this is like a, they took a series of anime television. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it was an anime movie or kinda, like a series. They kind of crammed it all. Like, apparently this is like... Uh, you know, like five seasons of shows worth of stuff in like one movie, or and it kind of felt that way to me. I th- I was I liked how his girlfriend ended up being so wicked. See, there's possible, and I like that actress from The Leftovers. I felt like there was the possibility is here for a really cool movie. I just felt like her character was wasted. I feel like she barely had much to do at all until kind of the end and. I hated the main guy, Nat Wolf. Uh, could not stand his performance. I've, I've never really character. liked him. He was in the movie Paper Towns. Have you ever yeah, seen that? Yeah, he wasn't good in that either. Yeah, I'm no. not a fan of this guy, so I just thought it was kind of cheesy at times. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like the potential was there, and I was looking forward to it despite the bad reviews, and, and it's still, I just couldn't get into it. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked the way that the, uh, I mean, the, now that you say that, I do agree about the main character. Um, I didn't really feel like it was rushed. I don't know the story or the background. I thought, I kind of liked how they got right to the chase. See, and, plot is my least favorite part of any movie. I, so that kind of, that was disappointing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was. See, I was, I did get a little invested in the characters and just how it all works. I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but there's just yeah, some, some like twisting points where I didn't, I just didn't know how it was going to turn out, and I was kind of blown away by how it did actually turn out. Yeah, I could see that. It, I just feel they also could have been a little more creative with the deaths. I would think. Yeah, but I don't know. I kind of liked them. <laughs> All right, I give it a four and a half out of ten. That's brutal. <laughs> brutal. I'll I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half again. All right, cool. Uh, we also both watched Icarus, the documentary. Oh my god! Yeah, this is a documentary about um, this guy who was like an amateur bicyclist. Uh, yeah. Pretty good one. Pretty good one. And he wanted to test himself. Like what, he did this French marathon or... It's like the biggest uh, amateur bike race you can do. It's like half of the Tour de France. But it's like all the hardest stages of the Tour de France. Yeah, and he wanted to do like this little experiment and create a documentary where, you know, take his results from the previous year where it kind of kicked his ass and then do a bunch of steroids and film it. Do like a whole regiment of steroids in six months worth and... And see, like, the difference it makes. Like, basically see how much of an advantage it 
it gives these people, if it's really worth the doping scandals and the Lance Armstrong of it all. It's pretty crazy to see this guy go through that, but it, that's like the first half of the movie, right? And then yeah. there's like a twist, and the second half is almost completely different. I mean, it blew my mind. Blew my mind. Yeah. The extent of the corruption, and I mean, it literally goes all the way to the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually preferred the first half of the movie when it was more just like supersize really? me with steroids. I mean, I, I like that, and I thought that was what it would all... Because I, I went into it not really knowing what it was really about, and I like that, but once it gets into all that, the second half and how elaborate, and I mean, it is mind-blowing. I don't... It is, it is. I don't think you can trust anything in sports after watching this. <laughs> yeah, it's that big. Like It's that I mean, uh, implicating. The guy was... The Russian dude in the movie is the head of the Russian WADA <laughs> Federation testing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The head of it, like, runs the whole laboratory and everything. And it is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, and there's no doubt about that, but I, that's my least favorite part of documentaries is that, like, I feel like I could have learned all this information way faster if I just read an article about it. You know? I guess, I guess, but at I least was... I felt like the first half of the movie was kind of like you had to see it to believe it. Like it was actually something you're following along visually. So yeah, I mean, how I mean, it's, it, how crazy is it? Like the first time he meets up with like the Russian dude, or maybe it was just over Skype. He's just like, "Oh, I'm mafia. We do whatever we want." Kind of like jokingly. <laughs> yeah. And about 20 minutes later, he's like, "I need to get out of Russia. They're going to kill me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's it is crazy. But I I liked how like. Pretty sure the guy that made the documentary was like a stand-up comedian, and he got so wrapped up and so involved in this that he basically became the guy's representation. At oh, least, yeah. with like disclosing everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a must-watch documentary, I think, especially if you're into sports at all. I mean, it it changes everything, if you ask me. Yeah, I'll give it a, like a seven or seven and a half. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. There you go. I can. I get it. I get it. That's uh, understandable. Anything else on your side? Um, uh, American Horror Story, Cult? Yeah, I saw the first episode of the new season. I watched the I'm first two. I'm a diehard American Horror Story fan. And okay. it's really just getting disappointing more and more by the season. <clears throat> I thought last season of American Horror Story was one of the worst things I've ever watched in my entire really? life. Really? I actually thought last year was a big step up from the hotel one. Yeah, oh yeah, hotel was terrible. Last... The last good one, in my opinion, was three. I guess four was okay. All right, how would you... Let's go through, just quickly, out of ten, what would you give the first season? A oh, nine. Okay, uh, the second season was what? Like, with aliens and abduction? Yeah, it and turns, up to, turns out to be that way, yeah. What would you give that? Uh, God, I haven't seen it in so long. I'll give it, like, a seven, seven and a half, just to yeah. be safe. My favorite was Coven. Coven. Yeah. The, oh, I loved it. The third season was my favorite by far. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give that one a nine myself. Fourth season was... Circus. Was that the fourth season? Yeah, I believe okay. so. That was decent. Yeah, it was all right. It was, uh, it was kind of brutal, like, the, the way the characters, like... The clown is freaky, and he's back in this. Yeah, that's, that blew my mind. The clown stuff was easily out. the best part. 
of that season. It was fifth season hotel then. Yeah, yeah. I did not like that very much. And then six was uh, Roanoke. I just thought it was so creative. Look, here's my problem <laughs> with the American Horror Story. I finished the first three seasons, but even them, it's like it starts off so strong. Oh, every single season, it's always best in the beginning when all this weird stuff is happening and you're learning as you go. Yeah. But then he's constantly just throwing stuff at the wall to see what will stick, and it's just so much. And I get worn out by the show halfway through. The first three seasons I stuck around. Actually, Co- Coven or Coven, I thought, pretty much was great the whole way. But lately, the past two or three seasons, I'll get like halfway through it and I just stop watching. Yeah. And yeah. same even, even though I thought it was good what they did with last season, I still didn't finish the season. But I liked how it was like a I Survive type mockumentary or documentary kind of mixed in with the horrendous. real thing. Oh, I thought that was a cool idea. But yeah, I mean the way it, the way they promoted the whole season for like months was they wouldn't tell anybody about it and this whole mystery thing. And then it started like the first episode. They move in that like the first three or four episodes. They set it up where the people live in that house and all that stuff happens. And then you find out that's actors and shit. I mean, it's it was. Then all the actors go back for a reality show, and it was, it was just insane. <laughs> yeah, well, and this... then the way the ended, it ended. It was, I was, I was literally angry. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, this season is blending real life politics with the harm, you know, TV genre. Uh, interesting idea. I do like the idea that it's, the shit is so crazy right now in the political world that is basically a horror movie itself. That is a great idea. Yeah, I just feel like, and I do kind of like that they are poking fun at all sides. It seems like right, like oh yeah, for sure. It's like the extreme of each each side, uh, but at the same time, that makes it so that I hate every single character involved. Right. So was, I'm out. I watched first two episodes. I think I'm done. Like they brought the clown back. Like there's some decent stuff here, but I'm just like. I hate everybody. I want them all to die. So yeah, I was telling me. you earlier. I mean, I Sarah Paulson is just so off-putting to me. Like her British accent in the last season, and so overdramatic, so overdramatic this season. I mean, it's just like every time she comes on screen, it's just I don't even want. I, I wish I could like fast-forward past it. <laughs> yeah, the way especially her is in this season, it's just so over the top all the time. It's like. Yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah, I think that's more probably to do with the direction or they, the the way they're telling her to play it, maybe. I don't know, because she can be a great actress, like we were talking about before with American Crime Story, the OJ yeah. uh, series. She was great as that lawyer. I mean, fantastic. So she has yeah. it in her. I don't know if it's just you know the, the characters that they're giving her sometimes, but I kind of agree, especially in this season. I mean, and that is her character. She's like having these you know, mental breakdowns and images yeah, hallucinations. in her hallucinations. So, but yeah, her character is so it's over just, the top. Like it's all, I mean, it's constantly, it's not like there's even like a settled point. It's constantly, yeah. every second she's on the screen, it's just over the top. It just rain it in. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do like the, the actress playing her wife in this season. I, she was in, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Versus I don't the know world. any actresses' names. Oh, <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> any of them. I think 
she's uh, playing it a little more reined in, like we said. So that's better, but yeah, for sure. And that guy Evan Peters, he's just a nut job. He's a really good actor. Yeah, he's good like at playing these crazy characters. So I like that he's more of a central point character. He's not been a huge point of uh, the past few seasons. So I yeah. like that he's back. But I also wish his character would just get sniped as soon as possible. <laughs> what this season? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he's a maniac. Yeah, I think that's the point. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like I respect the show. I always want to give every single season a shot in the beginning and just see how long it can last. But I already, I think I'm out already after two episodes. Yeah. So I'm like, like I said, I'm like a diehard American horror fan, and I'm like, I'm just watching every week out of nostalgia and <laughs> yeah. Got a habit. Yeah. I hear that. All right, I have a few movies I want to get through real fast. Nothing I need to really delve into, but I did watch them, so I'd like to take note of it. Uh, I watched the Captain Underpants movie. Oh, how was that? Surprisingly decent. It was. Uh, I never read the books or anything. I know Joel had read at least some of these, right? Is it a graphic novel or is it a book? It's, yeah, it's like a kid's novel. Yeah, um... Yeah, it was actually surprisingly well done. It was pretty decent visually, some funny moments, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a Captain Underpants movie, so how good can it be? Yeah. Uh, give it like a light 7 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> I watched Despicable Me 3, the new one. Uh, can you tell I have kids? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I enjoyed the first two much better than this one. Um I don't know, like, the min- I hate the Minions. <laughs> they are yeah. so annoying. But at the same time, uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of getting sick of this whole universe. <laughs> this, uh, Steve Carell's the bad guy in that, right? Well, he's kind. He's like a villain who is your protagonist, and in this one, his twin brother shows up who has, like, luscious blonde hair, and oh, it's kind of, it's dumb. It's definitely the worst. It's even worse than Minions, maybe. I don't know. Uh, five, 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 probably, yeah. I mean, Brady was kind of in and out on it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what always happens. I'll start it for them. I'm watching it with them. He's out 20 minutes in, and I'm just watching <laughs> the rest of the movie by myself. Uh, five out of ten. Not very good, not very good. Also not very good is Don't Think Twice, indie movie directed by comedian uh, Mike Birbiglia, about a troupe, what is it, improv comedy troupe, where it's basically like a play on, you know, these guys are getting older, they've been doing improv for so long, and they're trying to get onto the Saturday Night Live, but it's not called Saturday Night Live in this movie. And one of the guys who is played by the guy who plays either Key or Peel from Key or Pe- Key and Peel, yeah, uh, he gets on to Saturday Night Live, and it's kind of like them dealing with one of their people having success. And the problem is, I am not a big fan of improv comedy. I find it kind of annoying, and um, all of these characters are incredibly obnoxious and I don't I could I didn't like any of the characters and it's it's like a comedy with some, is it the guy that directed get out or is it the no other no it's like the tall skinny guy yeah I hate their TV show really I've never seen it but it's it's awful it's pretty much it uh it's like a skit show just like yeah see I, I'm not big on that I don't like Saturday Night Live I, I think some 
it can be funny at times, but I think most of the time it's just obnoxious and uh, annoying. Yeah. I much prefer stand-up or even, like, uh, scripted stuff, so. Yeah, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in years. Yeah, don't think twice about watching Don't Think Twice. (laughs) I give it a 5 out of 10. Like, it had moments. There's decent performances and stuff like that. Like, I gave Death Note a lower score, but I would probably rather rewatch Death Note. I think Death Note is not as well made, but I'd rather watch it again. Just one, I found more things to like about it. Yeah. Uh, the, that zombie movie I was talking about, Train to Busan, Korean zombie movie that's on Netflix. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I give it a six and a half out of ten. It's basically a zombie outbreak in Korea where th- these characters get trapped on a train. And is out- it in Korean? Yeah, and uh, the outbreak kind of spreads that way. So it's like a different take, slightly different take, but in the second half it gets pretty generic. Uh, it's an entertaining watch, but nothing I'd really recommend too heavily. Yeah. And lastly, as far as movies, I watched Into the Abyss, which is a documentary by Werner Herzog. It's a really interesting documentary. I would definitely check it out if you like them. It's about, What's um, it about? It's about this, this kid on death row. Or he's about to be <laughs> put to death in like a week or two, right? And it basically starts off with an interview with this kid who's going to get the death penalty in like 12 days or something. Oh, shit. And it just it gets his perspective on things and it kind of goes back and tells you the story of why he's on death row, details the crime, and it kind of goes out from there, goes back to talking to the kid. It's pretty intense. It's a pretty crazy is that, story. Is it new? It's not super new. I want to say it's four or five years old, but definitely check it out. It's really interesting, really good true crime story. But I like how it kind of doesn't doesn't push an agenda. It just kind of puts the facts out there. It gives you the the kid who's on death row's perspective. It gives you pretty much everyone's perspective and lets you draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I love documentaries. Warner Herzog is like a legend in documentaries. Oh, right? yeah. Grizzly Man and... Uh, mil- yeah, plenty of them. Yeah. Uh, that I just can't name. for <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I would recommend that. Um, just a couple other things for me. Did you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I had one more. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Beast of No Nation. Yes. Oh, my God. It is incredible. <laughs> yes. Incredible. It's one of the best movies I think I've ever seen. Me and Joel both loved it. I think it either got Final Four or Final Matchup in uh, March Movie Madness of that year. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. It great, great away. movie. Love that movie. I, I mean, I remember the day I watched this movie. It was the day of UFC 200. And I, Joel was like, you want to watch a movie? And I sat down and started watching it. I was so glued to this movie. It is such an incredible, like, powerful story. I don't want to say his name wrong. What's the guy's name? Idris Elba? Yeah, yeah. He does an incredible job. The, the kid, the main character. Yeah. All oh the kids, God. really. I mean, it is incredible. It's such a gorgeous movie. It's, like, I mean... Beautiful visually and audioly. <laughs> it is so powerful. It's great. I mean, I, I would give it at least a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't Let's give it that high of a rating, but I think I gave it a 9, and it's kind of gone up. 
just thinking like over time it's just, in my estimation in my mind it's gone up it's just like, yeah yeah i if if anyone missed that when it came out definitely definitely give it a yeah, shot it's a, it's a netflix original it's incredible yeah i agree i love that director carrie fukunaga he did uh, the first season of true detective was all him oh, really? and he did um shit what was sin nombre jane Eyre, great movies he's a he's a great director he was supposed to direct it the one that just came out, but he pulled out. I would. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I have a. I have a feeling his version would have been better. I think he still got a producer credit on that. I just saw something. About yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I think he did. You're right. But yeah, that's that's a great movie. Good call. Watching that one. Um, I watched The Deuce. This is. Uh, have you heard of this? No. This is the new David Simon show on HBO, the guy that did um, The Wire. and. Trump. Oh, yeah, Dave was watching this the other day. And it's got it's uh, James Franco, Maggie Gyllenhaal, good cast of characters, and it's basically... It's like 70s New York. Yeah, right? 70s New York, uh, basically just, you know, the down and dirty side of 70s New York, prostitution and sex trade and drugs. Yeah, and, I saw about three three minutes of an episode and it's definitely david simon yeah like i've never seen the wire but what? all right is this gonna happen anytime i have anyone on this Good podcast Lord. Uh, there's only been one episode it's an hour and a half long so i would I mean, you still got time to catch up i think it's amazing i mean just the first episode i'm loving it i'm invested i'm can't wait to watch the rest of the season james franco is great Maggie Gyllenhaal is great. Everyone in it is great. Like, it feels like 70s New York. I don't even know what 70s New York was like, but it feels, like, disgusting and, like, you're living yeah. in it. Like, it's just so well done, as you would imagine from him. Uh, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I would. I definitely am going to check it out. You need to check out The Wire. I know. For sure. I, this is what I keep saying. Is holding me back with this kind of stuff is first of all there's so much TV that's constantly coming on that I'm trying yeah. to watch, and at the same time like if I want to watch a show like this like The Wire that's hard R basically right so oh, yeah, yeah. can't watch it in front of the kids definitely not so I, <laughs> and then if it's just me and Sam I don't it's not a show she's like interested in binge watching with me so it's like I handcuffed. yeah I will eventually. Before Yours I die, <laughs> no, but I, I'm interested in that as well. It's another good one. By never me. seen The Sopranos. So. I've never seen The Sopranos either. Like the, these are the shows I will catch up on one day. It's just it's going to be hard right now. Maybe when both kids are in school. I don't know. Well, I'll figure it out. Boardwalk Empire. Never seen it. Oh man. I know. I know. I'm late on the HBO game. Never had it as a kid and just never caught up. But I, I will one day. Don't worry. Plenty of time. I'm only 30 years old. Definitely put it on the agenda. I will. Uh, and as an ode to the MMA podcast, the Red Belt Report that we host, I figured we could talk about the Ultimate Fighter new season. Yeah, this is uh, it's a 125-pound, right? Women's division, yes. Yeah, yeah. The champion will be crowned at the end of the season. Um, have you been watching it? Uh, I watched an episode last night. I think, I don't know if there are like three episodes in there. Yeah, I only saw the first two. Haven't seen the third. Not sure if I'm just gonna, you know, catch the finale on this. It's not. It's not like that. I hate the girls fighting or that. 
I'm not. No, it's just, I mean, The Ultimate Fighter has never been something that I'm like, I need to watch it. 20, it's the 26th <laughs> season. Like, the coaches are Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, two guys I like, but it's not like a compelling storyline between them. Yeah, I mean, and in, it's, in reality, it's like the 35th season. Right, yeah, because they had, like, other All country games, versions. Yeah. And yeah. But it's just so worn. Like, it's so... It's the same exact thing every time. And, like, it's so silly. Like, it's Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje, who I really don't give an F about either one of them. And it... it they're, so they're starting the 125-pound division with this tournament on the Ultimate Fighter, right? The winner is going to be crowned champion. But they're going to take... And I get that you want to be the champion, but they're going to take all of these girls anyway because they need a division. They can't yeah. <laughs> start another women's division like the 145 without anybody in it. Yeah, and in these kind of details are more for the Red Belt Report, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're, you're good, but I'm just saying, like, you're going to have, like, you know, some people dropping down from 135, some people going up from 115... Yeah, but mainly this is going to be your base. This these sixteen people will be all be, probably fight again in the UFC. Yeah, so and in reality, yeah. like looking at it from the perspective of like entertainment and TV from this side, it is probably the worst reality show that has ever been made. Yeah, I'm a big fan of reality TV. We've talked about it with Alex Kidwell on the Red Belt Report. It's just not a good reality TV show. Like, no. and it's a shame because. We're big UFC fans. There's plenty of you know big MMA fans that it's the potential is there. They could definitely make it a little bit better. I mean, I'm not sure that it even is there. I don't know. I feel like you don't have to bring in these unknowns every time. Like I don't know. I just feel like if they wanted to make it good, they could. Yeah, but I, at I the same like... time. It's just it's so tired, and they've—I don't know. I think just they like should a, just like I said, work. looking at it from like the entertainment aspect. Somebody who was not into mixed martial arts, why would they want to watch this? Like I said, it's the worst reality TV ever made. And from like my perspective, an MMA enthusiast, I don't even want to watch it because it's really not that inter- interesting, and it really doesn't even matter that much. Nope. Because <laughs> even the winner, the champion. They might get a hundred. I mean, probably not even a hundred thousand dollars. It's not even that. There's not that much on the line here. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, the belt does add something, but I suppose you get the co-main event. But some Fox card, I guess. <laughs> most likely, uh, whoever wins it will probably lose it immediately to either Valentina Shevchenko or Ioana Jacek. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's a thing that is on TV. And I, I can't occasionally believe they still it. get it. Uh, I can't believe they still make it. It blows my mind, really. Yeah, I think they'd be better off doing something like the Dana White Contender Series on Fox Sports One or something. But yeah, or maybe like take a year or two off and let find it some real up. people to yeah. build up, like some real real stuff. prospects. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's there's got to be ways to do it, or whatever. I think it just passes prime. Yeah, I agree. All right, last thing before we get on to Game of Thrones, I just wanted to mention a comic book that I've been reading. It's uh, Ed Brubaker's Kill or Be Killed. And we were talking about Death Note a little bit earlier. And this is a somewhat similar premise. This comic book is about a uh, 
a guy who tries to kill himself, and as he does, like, I think, I can't remember what he did. I think he tried to overdose some pills, maybe, but either way, no, he tried to jump off the roof of a building, I think. And then How do you feel at that? Because a demon saved his life, you know, prevented his life, and said, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving you a second chance at life here, you know, because I think halfway down from jumping off the roof, like he realized he made a mistake and he didn't, he didn't want to die. So then this demon is like, "Yo, I will let you live," you know. Get to sell a soul to him. No, he has to kill one person each each month for the rest of his life or else he will die. That's crazy. That's why it's kill or be killed and it's kind of like death mode, right? Like he has to figure out a way to kill someone and get away with it to just cuz I think he he says, "Oh, it's just a hallucination." Doesn't buy it at first and then he's like gets deathly ill when it comes up to almost a month has gone by and then he kills somebody and immediately feels better. So it's That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like a death note type of concept. I suppose. I think and, that's uh, what like almost made Death Note better was he didn't have to do it. All he had to do was go sit the book somewhere for seven days. But then someone else would have. But they well they got high on the power of having it. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, Killer Be Killed. Just a, it's a really good comic book right now. Twelve issues in. Uh, really liking it. Um, it's not Did my. You get that physical or you read it ebook? Di- yeah, ebook, digital comics all the way. It's just nice. easier that way. You can put it on the phone, read it on the computer. The future. Uh, yes. So check it out. <laughs> if you're into comics at all, sounds interesting, check it out. Edward Baker, great writer. Not my favorite of his work, but it's very, very good. All right. Let's get into Game of Thrones Season 7. Ended a few oh, weeks ago. Uh, you know, right after the Mayweather-McGregor fight. The next night was uh, Season 7 finale of Game of Thrones. Hell of a weekend. Hell of a weekend, but uh, yeah, that was like a high point in my television watching career. <laughs> yeah, not too bad, but uh, yeah. So before we get into the specifics of season seven, I'd like to get your thoughts on a whole as uh, the first six seasons. What do you think of the show? What's your favorite season? What do you got? I think. I mean, I think it's probably one of the best TV shows ever made. Interesting. Right or wrong. Um, definitely as far as, like, high budget, um, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. It's just like, it's like crazy, I didn't, I didn't watch Game of Thrones until I think season four, and I caught an episode or two, and immediately had to go watch the previous three seasons or whatever. Okay. Just, just the, the way they build up characters... And how long some of the story lo- storylines have been drawn out. I don't think any TV show has even come close to doing it how they have. Yeah, they definitely excel at certain things. I would say, though, it is a tale of two shows. Like, the first four seasons. So, yeah, the first four seasons when it's adapting the first three books from George R. R. Martin, I feel like it's impeccable. It's It's perfectly paced it's for the most part it's like really character driven it's all about the 
the great dialogue and things build and build and build until big moments. And then kind of once they start going their own way, season five is easily my least favorite season of the show. But it, like, it took them time, though. I feel like they re-found their footing with season six. It's much more of a... Not as many twists now, and it's more straightforward, but it's still really well executed. Um, I don't know; it's like a different show, but still a really good show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think there was plenty of twists. Especially, you, you said there's no twist from what season five on. It's not as much, especially season seven. Like everything's pretty straight because there's not enough time to build to a twist and then play off of it. It's all about efficiency now. It's like, we just got to get this story done. They, for whatever reason, they decided to limit themselves to seven episodes this year and six next. So, Yeah, which kind of baffled me. I feel like it's because the creators, like, they took this on as an adaptation where they'd be adapting work and it turned into them creating their own stuff, which I guess... They're not as fond of, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it, it's it's definitely strange. I mean, I I expected more from season seven, and like you said, it is kind of efficient, where they're just tying up loose ends, pretty epically. But um, yeah, it is like more straightforward, where you know the story that's playing out. It's just kind of like how it's going to play out. Yeah. How would you rank the first six seasons? Like in order? Yeah, what's your, yeah, from worst, or favorite to least favorite, whatever. When did, when did the Viper happen? That was season four? Yeah, season four. I, was, I get them like, they all blend together now. I would say probably my favorite's gotta be... You didn't like season five. I liked it. Oh, that is that is by far that's like a bad show. Season five is just a bad show, except for one of the best episodes in the entire show. Um, when he goes beyond the wall and see fights the Night King and all them for the first time. Yeah, hard home. That is like an incredible episode of television in a terrible season of television. That's. I mean, the the end is when they. Uh, Stage is a coup, right? The end of season five. I'm having a hard time remembering exactly, but you know what I'm talking about, there, right? You can spoil it. Uh, well, when they just kill Jon Snow. Yes. Yeah. Terrible. That's terrible. That's the end of season five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that took me for a loop. You pretty much knew that he was coming back. Which well. <laughs> As a book reader, that wasn't a surprise that he was that was going to happen. Yeah, and the fact I mean, they, even, I've never read any of the books, and I, it was pretty clear that, that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and the fact they tried to pretend like he wasn't going to come back, and then he was back to life with like in season uh, six, episode two. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty much given, but uh, right, you've got the, see, they all blend together. I'll do me, it. So. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, my favorite season is season four. I just think okay. that is an amazing season. You have the Red Viper. You have so many great moments. I feel like Joffrey's death, uh, the Mountain versus the Viper, Tyrion's trial, that finale where Tyrion kills Tywin. So much going on. 
in that season. Then I'd probably go toss up between season one and season three for me next. I'll probably yeah. say one, season one, because, I don't know, I kicked it off and did a tremendous job of really nailing that first book. Then season three, which was The Red Wedding, which is just an incredible episode of television. Then I'll say season six would be my fourth favorite season. I feel like, especially the latter seasons, that is clearly the best. They, except for maybe one or two episodes, they they really nailed that season, which was surprising because I hated season five so much. But you had the Battle of the Bastards, you had that finale with the freaking Sept explosion killing everybody, and Tommen <laughs> leaping to his death, and just so well executed as far as like big time, big budget television goes. Uh, then I'll say, spoiler alert, season seven next. <laughs> Pretty solid. Pretty solid season. Good season of television. It's a different tier, though, than the top four. It's a big drop-off from there. Then I'll say season two, which love the... Um, what is it called? Um, when they... Uh, Red Wedding? Battle of the Blackwater. Blackwater, yeah. Blackwater Bay, yeah. That's a great episode. There's definitely some good stuff in season two, but I feel like they kind of... Had a sophomore slump before getting back into it, and then my least favorite is season five. Okay, I, that's not to even copy off you. I would go probably four, one, um, probably five next, then six, uh, seven, then three, two. Okay. Okay. Um, alright, so yeah, let's get into season seven then. Uh, first of all, you have to read the books. Is it a must read? <laughs> Is that a real question? <laughs> they are my favorite. The books <laughs> are my favorite thing in history of anything. Really? Anything. Music, TV, movies, all media, anything. Life changing. Life changing. Uh,. Almost literally. Read these books. Became, like... And had just had a different frame of mind ever since I read the books. Like, they set the standard for anything, in my opinion. They're that good. Like, it's incredible. That's why it's taking so long for him to write, because he's got to get it right. They're so, so good, in my opinion. Is there any word when the next one comes out? Just rumors at this point. Probably, I mean, rumors sometime next year, but it's yeah. just hard to say. It's hard to say. But man, yeah, you got to read the books. Do yourself a favor. Read the books. As much as you love the show, the books you will think are 100 times better. So, I'll definitely have to look at that. Definitely have to do it. Do you have them? I have the first. Yeah, I think I have them digitally. I think I have them oh, on my okay. Kindle. But that's how I read them. But uh, yeah, let's get into season seven here. We're way past the books with season seven. And I honestly think the books are going to be. Completely different. Maybe not completely different, but a lot different. It's like that butterfly effect when uh, small changes in season two or three, by the time you get to season seven, it's like a, a snowball going downhill. Just, you know, it's splitting off so much that it's almost impossible to have it be, uh, you know, the same as the books. Yeah, point. I'm sure the, book is, the books are not quite as rushed as they're getting to be at this point. Yeah, I highly doubt it. All right, season seven opens up with Arya 
taking out House Frey in an awesome scene where she puts on the face of Walter Frey and poisons the entire house to death. Yeah. Pretty Literally awesome everybody. way to uh, kickstart the season. But uh, she kills Walter Frey. At the end of season six. Yeah, the, yeah okay. That, that, yeah. The way she did that was one of the most badass things of all time. Yeah, and I love the way, like, the season starts and it's like, is this a flashback of, like, Walter Frey getting the phrase ready for the Red Wedding? And then at a certain point, the acting uh, is so good where you're like, oh no, this is Arya. <laughs> like, something's wrong here, something's different. And uh, you kind of catch on at a certain point, you realize they're about to drink some poison. Pretty great execution of an execution. And she lets the one person go, doesn't she? She lets the daughters go, right? A couple yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty awesome. And then she has some badass line like the North remembers or the Starks something, something, something. <laughs> but what season did the Red Wedding happen? Season three. So it's just like crazy how like long things play out. I love it. Yeah, it's very, very well done in that regard. Um, yeah, episode one is called Dragonstone. Some other things that happen. Uh, Danny arrives in Westeros for the first time. <laughs> you know, he had seven seating, seven seasons of the show leading up to this. Her return, and uh, it's like the final five or ten minutes of the episode. It's almost like a silent movie where she lands on Dragonstone and kind of just like walks around, feeling it out, and before eventually, you know, sitting on a throne and then saying like, "Let's begin." Yeah, that th the awesome. throne chamber is so epic. Yeah, it really is. Great set design. That's, like, on a technical level, nothing can beat Game of Thrones as far as, like, costumes and set designs and... Budget. Special effects and just yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, it deserves all the Emmys it gets in that regard. Um, also, you have Bran arriving to Castle Black from North of the Wall. And what do you think of Bran this season? Uh, I mean, he's like I, I a don't know. It's, completely different guy, right? Yeah, it's it's a little it's weird. It's definitely it's, weird because I don't know. Like, if you really like think about it, like if he can affect everything, like I don't. It's like why doesn't he change everything then? You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of see where they're going for like. He's no longer this rambunctious kid because he's seen everything and it kind of made like everything insignificant on a smaller scale. And but yeah, but I mean, like this change happened to him, but it's so sudden. Like, it's so sudden. He's like yeah, but like the way it's the way it works. Like if I don't know, like the the, the context is put in like every it was like des like destiny. Like it, it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So but at the like, end of season six, though, he wasn't like this. But then season seven hits, and he's like, "Hello, Sansa." Like he's not human anymore. I'm the three-eyed raven. Yeah, uh, it's so weird. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I get I he, he would like, be... jumped a bit in like his maturity of it. Yeah, I get that he would be a little bit different and slowly kind of losing his humanity over time. Just felt a little bit sudden, and like you said, like he's. They created such a problem for themselves by having him see everything, but then what? All this stuff is happening and he doesn't say anything? Like the little finger stuff, 
he doesn't yeah, jump I mean, like, in sooner. <laughs> like Hodor was Hodor before Bran knew anything about all this, so it was it was all already like it already happened. You know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's I don't know it's just it's it's like a conundrum. <laughs> it is, and they kind of wrote, wrote themselves in a corner there with all that. But um, yeah, I don't. Bran, I was not a big fan of Bran this season, and I I understand someone put it kind of cleverly where he has the internet at his disposal, right? That's how he can see everything, but he just needs to be put in, pointed in the right direction. Someone needs to put it in the Google search terms for him to like relive it or see it. Yeah, but I don't. They could have done a better job with integrating Bran into the season, in my opinion. Yeah, especially like the end of the season when with that scene with Sam. It was like, I thought they could have done that a lot better. Where they start talking and Sam, I don't want to jump too far ahead if we're, we're going to get to this. Nah, go ahead. <laughs> but, I mean, Sam, like, starts talking, they start talking about Jon Snow and his backstory. And then, uh, like, if Bran could see everything, why didn't he already know that, uh, like, the wedding was, a, they were actually married, you know what I mean? He's not a bastard. Yeah, because he even actually saw that same exact scene last season. Yeah. But he just didn't hear the name that was whispered. And, yeah, and Sam just says, I read this in a book. Is this something you can see? And it just jumps right to it. It was like, I thought they could have done a way better job portraying that. Yeah, that's what I mean when he has the whole internet at his disposal and Sam was like the Google search. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there it is. But yeah, uh, yeah, they could have they could have conveyed it a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know about this whole episode by episode format, so let's just kind of <laughs> jump around here. Uh, what do you think? Speaking of Sam, his whole story arc this season, where he's in the Citadel learning his Maester stuff, then Jorah Mormont comes around at some point with its grayscale, and he peels that off. <laughs> What a! I thought it was pretty ridiculous the way the cure for grayscale is literally just cut it off and put an ointment on it. Yeah, like, that was. This is like this uncurable thing for years and years. Sam figured I mean, it out. I, I get that grayscale is like super dangerous. Where it's like super contagious, I suppose. And I guess the cure. He said, didn't they say the cure was like really dangerous to perform? Yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's like the only thing that held it from being the cure to grayscale because it was written in a book it's not like people didn't know about it yeah pretty ridiculous that they made it such a big deal and then that's all it was and it was over with that fast he like got it cut off and he was completely better the next day yeah yeah all right so let's see i guess we could talk about the big battle scene at the end of episode two which, what did you think of that? Did you think that was well done? Uh, yeah, it was, I suppose so. I, I really don't like any of those characters. You're on Greyjoy? Yeah, any of the Greyjoys, really. Yeah. Who, they, uh, Theon was, they, they had the Iron Fleet, and they got crushed, right? Right. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, I just... Yeah, I... I I agree, like, technically the the battle scene was well done. I just wasn't super invested in any of the characters, so it didn't really, you know, it didn't hit home as hard as it could have been. Yeah, and I don't, I just, I mean, it was definitely 
big for uh, Daenerys them to have the Iron Fleet, but in the end, I don't even think it ended up affecting them that much. Yeah, see, <laughs> I could nitpick the hell out of the season, complain about a bunch of things. Well, I still enjoyed it as a whole. Like, even though I I understand almost every issue, like from a plot standpoint or from character motivation standpoint, a lot of stuff does not make sense. But it's still entertaining to watch on screen. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, I feel like the first half, like the first four episodes were the best part. I feel like the last three kind of spoiled the season for me. Yeah, I mean, coming in, I expected more from the season. And it's not even that it disappointed. It was just, I don't know, I just, like the way season six ended with the Citadel blowing up and all that, I just I expected like a lot more chaos almost. And there, there was plenty of chaos in this season, but... It was it was almost predictable, if you ask me, in yeah, some senses. For sure. Um, probably my favorite part of the whole season, though, was the loot, cha- loot train battle at the end of episode four, the spoils of war. This is when uh, Jamie and Bron are bringing back their loot after they took it all from uh, High Garden, and Lady Elena, Elena's uh, death scene was pretty amazing, by the way. Yeah, I love that, too. <laughs> She's a great character. And um, they're getting this stuff headed towards King's Landing, and uh-oh, I think I hear something in the distance. And then the the horde of uh, Dothraki come uh, flying through with their horses, and then here comes a dragon. All right. Just awesome. Love that. Everything about that. That's the first time we've had, like, people you care about on both sides. You know, and it's like, who do I root for? I want Jamie and Bron to live, but I also want Danny and her her side to win, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, like, uh, what was the episode before where they go to, uh, where do they go to invade and there's nobody there? Oh, right. Castle Rock. Castle, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that the way they did that with, like, uh, was it Tyrion that was narrating that? Yeah, that was really well done. I love the way that was done, for sure. At the same time, I hate that (laughs) this entire season is basically, Tyrion's an idiot, doesn't know anything about anything. I I mean, I guess, but he also... All his plans are terrible, and they fail. (laughs) Yeah, but he also negotiates like he always does. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. All right, hold on. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, that is the case, but he also, when they have the big meeting with, uh, Christ, what is his sister's name? Cersei. Cersei, yeah. <laughs> I have a brain fart there. But, yeah, when they have that meeting and it basically falls apart, Tyrion goes... And negotiates with her. And it seems to work out, but then again it doesn't. It's it's a few twists there, but I, in the end I think it works out, right? Yeah, because well, basically she's double-crossing them, but they kind of get what they came for. Uh, but then Jamie's the only one that goes back up with them, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, like, he says, I've had, a, basically, she's, he's had enough of her. Finally. 
Yeah, right. And yeah, that I like that whole scene when they all met finally in the finale. I actually like the finale a lot. I said uh, the second half was worse, but really episodes five and six were kind of just the downsides for me. Like, yeah. I like the finale because it felt like they were kind of getting back to more character-driven, dialogue-heavy. Like, this show, what it did best was people sitting in rooms talking and it being yeah. riveting. <laughs> yeah, you get really invested in characters and their storylines. But uh, episode six is when they get surrounded, right? Yes, episode six is Beyond the Wall when they have another big battle with the Night King and... Pretty crazy scene when the dragon dies. Oh, yeah. But even before that, I mean, it was, like, crazy. It kept blowing my mind because I guess I didn't – I wasn't paying attention enough to realize they had, like, so many extra people with them who weren't, like, big characters. <laughs> Red shirts. <laughs> so every time, like, I saw somebody get surrounded and die, I thought it was, like, Tormund or Germa. I just – I always thought it was, like, a main character that all these people that kept dying. I was like, no way. And it, it, in the end, it didn't end up being – I mean – Tormund almost dies, but gets pulled out of it. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that that just blew my mind. It was extremely riveting. Of course, Jon Snow almost meets his demise again, but somehow pulls himself out of it. Yeah, see, I had so many problems with this episode. Like, it's cool and all. I like the polar bear fight. I liked all the dragon stuff. And <laughs> I just... The plan, first of all, is terrible. You're gonna, uh, for sure. You're gonna go beyond the wall to find a White Walker or a White to capture, her, take back to Cersei to convince her to join you. Like the whole thing is asinine. Yeah, first and of I, all, and I understand that. Like you have to see it to believe it, but that's the dumbest way to pull that off. Yeah, and they capture one pretty early, and they're like dead set on holding that one on. Yeah, I feel like they could have grabbed any of them. You know what I mean? Right, right. And then also, how is Thoros the only one that dies? Like going into that episode, I'm thinking we're losing half this team here. We're gonna lose people we love. At least, yeah. And we lose all red shirts and Thoros, the guy who we don't care about really. Yeah, I mean. And I, I want to know how that... Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, there was not enough stakes. Yeah. Because and the way he died, I thought, like, he got real hurt. I thought he was... They were, like, fixing him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then he just sits there and dies, basically. The way he dies is dumb, too. Right? And, yeah. uh... I don't know. I feel like this show... You used to have, like, be on edge because anyone could die at any time, and now it feels safe again. Like, feels yeah, like. Yeah, like, I totally expected some big characters to people, die. In that people are protective by plot armor now. And yeah. Also, what was the last thing that I thought was pretty bad? Oh, it's insane that, uh, Uncle. What's his fucking face? Oh, uh, God, uh. Uncle, uh, Uncle Benjamin comes out of Uncle nowhere Benjen, yeah. to save the day again. Only to immediately die. Like, such a deus ex machina there. You know. I mean, how, the reasoning for him really. not being able to go with Jon Snow, that was just stupid. Yeah. There's too many yes. of them, but somehow Jon could just ride right there. <laughs> so much. It's wrong, but it, at the same time, I always had to come back and be like, but it was entertaining. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely did not expect him to come. And another thing, we, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, I mean, that battle was pretty crazy. As soon as 
as soon as the Night King grabbed that spear and threw it, I was like, he's turning that dragon. I knew it immediately. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty cool. I don't know where they got those chains from, but it was still pretty badass. Yeah, I guess they were just carrying them along. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just like a a bag of javelins, too. Right. And uh, another thing I hated was all the Arya and Sansa stuff with Littlefinger, like that whole triangle. Littlefinger. I hated Littlefinger. I just hate Littlefinger in general every season. I think he's one of the worst characters. And he's one one of my favorite characters, and the way they've been building her up lately. I thought for sure she was going to, like, kill Littlefinger and take his face and manipulate things or something. But the, I mean, the way it happened was cool, that, that whole trial scene. I liked it. Yeah, the, the like, you know, the final scene when he gets his third slit was pretty awesome. But everything leading up to it, like, was this some kind of plan between Arya and Sansa the whole time? Were they faking all this? Yeah, it's almost like, I don't think they were. But it, I wish they were because they look so stupid and petty and dumb. Yeah. Like, are you supposed to be this ninja assassin, you know, with these special powers and can read people? And she's falling for Littlefinger's obvious stuff. And, like, that made no sense to me. Yeah, for sure. I think I think they were almost, like, trying to mislead you, thinking that both Sansa and I were falling into traps when the way it planned out. They kind of, I think they were really kind of like trying to show their, uh, them kind of like maturing and really like coming into their own. Where without even saying it out loud, they both picked up on the games. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Eliminated the real en- the, the enemy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I have, it's all good. I got my son here on my lap for the end of this episode. Here, so if anyone guest star Brady, him laughing. Um, he's not feeling good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you got other than the way the, the season ends with John and Danny? You kind of have a montage of, uh, people finding out that they are aunt, aunt and, uh, nephew related. And you, find, you find out that she's his aunt while he's having sex with her. Yeah, while awesome. they're boning down and Tyrion <laughs> is awkwardly, like, staring at the door. Right. On the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird. Do you think she's going to be pregnant from that? Yeah, I think so. They brought it up enough times that. Right. Uh, how many times can you say, I can't get pregnant, I cannot have children before? Oh my god, I'm pregnant. Right. But it's, anyway, it's not like the incestual parts that shocking. I mean, the whole, the whole uh, series has been. Old. Yeah, you got Jamie and Cersei in the Targaryen line. They're like known for being purebred. Yeah. And that's like the coin flip of the, if they're crazy or or not. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, I thought all in all, I thought it was awesome. It's a little. I, I totally expected the whole wall coming down. Oh yeah, that's another. That's the other big thing that the the zombie dragon brought the wall down, and it's ridiculous that uh, Tormund and whoever was on the wall. They should be dead, but I guarantee they're not, because you didn't see yeah, them. Yeah, right. That's Eastwatch, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty predictable. I thought they could have ended the season on a like, more shocking note, but I guess it really sets up the, the chaos that's going to be season eight. Yeah, what are you, what's your prediction for season eight? I really have no idea. I'm excited to see how it turns out. I think, of course, it's going to be a huge... 
battle of mankind versus the dead, and they're really going to have to make some alliances and come together, yeah. or else they're basically not going to make it. I think we're going to have some shocking deaths. There has to be now. I mean, there's only six episodes left. Yeah. And I've heard that they're going to be like an hour and a half each. Yeah, I think they're all going to be feature length, which is pretty cool. And, yeah. Uh, I feel so like have to wait a year. I heard this idea somewhere else, so I'm not claiming it as my own, but I love it. I, I hope the battle between, you know, the Night's King and, and the Living is only like two or three episodes or, or even one or two episodes. And then the rest, like the most interesting thing for me is like afterwards, like yeah, what's, between Cersei what and, and who's going to rule from there, how all the aftermath plays out. Like I'm hoping that's at least the second half of the season. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe they'll they'll like skip forward in time and show John and Daenerys' baby taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I feel like one of John and Danny is going to die. Probably John for real this time, and then yeah. the other one will rule with like Tyrion as hand of the king or queen, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like Arya's probably gonna die, but I like think she's gonna make it. But I feel like she's gonna do something great before she like she's either gonna kill Cersei before she dies or kill the Night King somehow before and then die. But yeah, like she's gonna have a heroic heroic like sacrifice sacrifice himself. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It should be fun though. I can't wait to well, this year away. Yeah, or more maybe. I heard it could yeah, be probably. 2019, but what would your rating be for season 7? Out of 10? Out of 10. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. It's, I mean, like you said, you could nitpick it all night long, but in reality, it's incredibly produced. It tied a lot together, and it really set season up 8 up to be complete chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I got to go a heavy seven and a half, though. I think some of the problems were just a little too much to go into eight category or territory, but still very good. Um, and still looking forward to seeing how it ends. So. I'm going to be sad when it's over. Yep. We'll always have those books, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's Before we get out of here, let's get to our top five. Game of Thrones characters throughout the history of the show. Yeah, uh, are we going to do one at a time? Or? Yeah, let's do one at a time. You can go All first. Right. Yeah, my number five's got to be the Hound. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about him season seven, but he was great. Yeah, I mean, he's always great, in my opinion. He's, yeah. uh, he's brash. He's, I mean, he's just, he's a badass dude who doesn't play the bullshit games. Yeah. I think it's the Battle of Blackwater when he leaves, he's... Fuck you, fuck the king. Excuse my language. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... And then he just goes off on his own tangent. and I mean, it's like a season or two he's with Arya. But, I mean, he's been through so much. He's funny. He's badass. And uh, he's definitely been a highlight of the show for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a good choice. He's... He's up there. Not in my top five, but he's up there. I can't wait for Clegane Bowl, Hound vs. Mountain next season. Definitely got to happen. For sure. All right. My number five is a tie between two <laughs> lovely ladies of Westeros, uh, Marjorie Tyrell and Melisandre. I just feel like these are two really strong female characters that... 
you know, they play up their qualities, uh, their sexuality, and they do whatever it takes to get an advantage. Even like Marjorie, early on, you wouldn't expect it. Oh, watch out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she seems all sweet and innocent, but then you find out she's playing a game as hard as anybody. And, yeah, and Melisandre, she starts off as kind of like a villain, but... I think she's more... I mean, she's still more on a villainous side of things, but I feel like there's depths to her character where, you know, she has her own point of view. Yeah, for sure. So that's my number five. Thank you. <laughs> What's your number four? My number four's got to be Tormund. Nice. He ends up kind of being like the leader of the, uh, the Wildlings, but he's such a tough dude, and it's kind of the same like with the Hound. He's so funny, and he's so tough, and... Like that interaction between him and the Hound when they're walking in season six talking about Brienne of Tarth. It is one of the funniest things in the show, if you ask me. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Uh, all right, my number four is Olena Tyrell, uh, Queen of Thorns. We talked about her briefly with her epic uh, death scene. And just, she's kind of more of a side character, but every time she was on screen, she was either funny or riveting so yeah yeah her death scene was one of the best what do you want, what do you want? my number three has got to be Jon Snow I mean he's basically the title character of the show at this point um, yeah yeah he comes up as a bastard goes through all that then becomes goes to the Night's Watch becomes the leader of the Night's Watch gets killed comes back the king of the north and he does all that without making you hate him in a sense like everything he does is like justified like when he hangs all the people that killed him he's ruthless but it's all justifiable so yeah i, I like his qualities yeah in the books he's my favorite character yeah uh in the show he's a little too bland and i don't think uh kid harrington gives the greatest performance but he's gotten better over the seasons and i do like him in the show but in the books, he's like my main man. Yeah. Uh, but still like the character. Uh, my number three is Tyrion Lannister. Uh, pretty predictable, but... And I feel like he's hasn't been able to do as much in the last couple seasons, but especially early on. I mean, his wit, his comedy, just his smarts, his dialogue, everything that he came out of his mouth was gold. and Just, just a great character, and give an opportunity for, like, uh, a minority group to have a big role in a huge show. Yeah, it definitely has, like, a sense of realism about everything. It's definitely an honorable mention for me. My number two has got to be the Viper. I mean, uh, what is his name, the, the, the actor's name? Uh, I want to say... Was I, it Penna or something? No, hold on. I'll look it up. Keep talking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's... He's in it for about a season. He comes over to Westeros and basically just starts ravishing everything. And it all culminates in uh, Tyrion having a trial by combat and electing him to fight for him. And he basically manhandles the mountain in one of the most epic scenes in Game of Thrones, in my opinion. And tries to make a fool out of the mountain and just gets a slightly 
bit too cocky, and it was one of the most heartbreaking deaths for me. Oh, yeah. Watching him get his skull crushed in, basically. Yeah. The actor is Pedro Pascal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's my number one. Oh, okay. The Red Viper's my number one. He's one of my favorites in the books, and he just is a great translation to the show. Great performance. Great, uh... They just nailed it across the board, and for he's sure. a guy that... You know, for a character that you don't meet until season four, and he's only around for, like, seven or eight episodes, like, really makes an impact. First, I mean, probably you know, like, the biggest out of any. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy how late in the game he's here, but yet we remember him so fondly. For and, sure. Uh, yeah, so that's why he's my number one. But my number two is Jamie Lannister. Love, pretty much all the Lannisters are... Are uh, up there for me. Tywin, Cersei—they're all great characters. But, but Jamie, I feel like is so complex. He starts off—he's the main bad. Pushes Bran off of the tower in episode one of season one. He's having incest with his twin sister. Right. Like so evil. He's stabbing Ned Stark in the leg. And then it doesn't take long. A couple seasons later, he's uh, he's a likable character. Yeah, he's come like full circle. It's- Probably more than anybody in the whole series. Yeah. But I, mean, I just think they made him a little too invincible. That's fair. I could see that. Especially uh, when he charged the dragon and Bronn saved his life at the last second. Oh, that's another yeah. ridiculous thing that got under my skin was how they ended that episode on a cliffhanger of them just in the water right next to the dragon. And never really told anything about it. The next episode starts, they're like downstream and they just walk away. Yeah. No problem. Like, what? <laughs> That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen on the show. Yeah. But uh, my number one has got to be Aya Stark. She's, I've always liked her. She's basically been through hell and back. Her whole family gets decimated when she's just a little kid and goes on this long journey with the Hound. Takes forever where do, uh, where, where do they go and they find out her aunt's dead? What is that place called? The Eerie. Yeah. Like, Kevin, I love the scene where they show up at the gate and say that they're here to see her, and they're like, she's dead, and she just starts laughing. Yeah. It was, like, one of my favorite things. But she goes on all that with the hound. Brienne beats him down, and she leaves and goes to, uh, S- what the, God, what is Bravos, Bravos, yeah. Goes with the uh, faceless men and basically plays that game to the point where she basically beats it. I mean, she kills uh, the waif. Does she kill? Is the waif and that one guy the same? I don't think so. She kills them both, correct? Correct. No, yeah. that guy kills himself, right? Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. But just her journey through everything, and now that she's so badass, just she's always been one of my favorites and has continued to even get better, in my opinion. Oh, and that scene when she first arrived at Winterfell was great, too, this season, when she duels with Brienne. Yeah. And, like, takes her with ease. It's pretty great. Yeah, definitely. To see how far she's come. Yeah, she's a great character as well. There's just so many great characters in the show that top five is, like, really hard to do. 
Oh yeah, you could have a top twenty, really. Yeah. Uh, that was nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we should wrap up here. We'll, yeah. s- we'll skip the final points on this episode just because of circumstances. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hit us up with your thoughts on uh, email, theredboxreportyahoo.com. On Twitter, I'm at the Oreo Report. The podcast is at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at Brooks Phelan. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, the, and review the podcast on iTunes or YouTube. And um, we'll catch you next time. Yep, thank you. Across the night Was the moon that stole my slumber Across the night I fell in love with people sleeping Come